Welcome to Upward Together, a space of vulnerable conversation and intentional community where we see each other for who we are and really listen to the stories that only we can tell. Each episode features a special guest, and we dive into a topic that means something to them, highlighting the uniqueness and curiosity in all of us, ultimately learning from and growing with each other. I'm your host, Jethro Castillo, and I hope you enjoy this episode's conversation as we go Upward Together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Upward Together. My name is Josh Morganlander, and today I was joined on the podcast by Haley Heemstra, my friend from camp. We have not spoken in a number of years, but today uh, I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to reconnect with her and talk about travel, uh, living in other countries, non-traditional college experiences, and a number of musings and ramblings in between. So really had a phenomenal experience. Haley is one of the earliest supporters of the podcast, someone who reached out pretty pretty much right away and said that she was really into what we were doing with Upward Together and uh, expressed interest in being a guest on the show. So I'm really grateful to you, Haley, now listening back to this, uh, and to everyone who's ever made any comments about the podcast, what it means to them, uh, any ideas for it, any feedback. So please enjoy this episode. With my university, I went a lot of places where I was just with my class, which was like 20 mm-hmm. people. So, yes, like the first time, the first year, we all went to Costa Rica together. And this was like right after two days of orientation in New York City. And we went. So, like, I knew them, but I didn't know them. Uh, and then we got placed into host families, and none of our host families spoke English. So, that was an interesting uh, barrier to navigate, but it was amazing. It was incredible. I think before having gone to college, I I hadn't been able to travel abroad as much as I would have wanted. Both like time, financial resources, financial resources. There's just like a lot of stuff going on also that's just really busy time. And then I that's exactly what I was looking for in a college program. And I was like, I don't necessarily want a study abroad program for like a semester or a year. Like this is something I've been waiting forever mm-hmm. to do. And on top of that, I think as a learner, I find myself a lot more um, a lot more focused and a lot more able to participate when I'm like there in person. I like to be there in the flesh doing the thing. And I think the best way for me to learn anything was like being with that host family where I would walk out in the morning and they would say something to me. And I was like, damn, I really need to learn Spanish. <laughs> like we and so, and I would sit down. She was the best, too. I got lucky because some people were placed in host families where you know, they're not helpful. And sometimes they don't even like you. Uh, But I got, again, I was lucky. So my host mom would like sit down with a newspaper and we would highlight words for me to learn. And then we would go over them. And then on top of that, I did, um, my classes were kind of odd. I did like, each class was three hours and I did one Spanish class five days a week. So I had a lot of Spanish happening. So, so for, for context, which college was it and does the program have a specific name is the college is is this only if you go to this college is this the only way that you can get your degree or is this a specific program within the college that's a great question okay so i went to long island university global which i had never heard about before like when i found out about it i found out about it through somebody in my high school yearbook class and we were all, I was a junior and they were all seniors and we were talking to the seniors and we were like, where are you guys going? And most of the people were going to UNC or Duke. And I was like, that's awesome. 
And then this one girl was like, I'm going to LIU Global. And I was like, what is that? And she kind of started to explain it. Um, and it's like Long Island University is its own thing. And they have LIU Post and LIU Brooklyn. And I think if you're going into pharmacy, LIU Brooklyn is a big school. Okay. Um, I don't know that much about it, honestly. And then they have a satellite campus, which is LIU Global. Uh, and so they do the first year in Costa Rica. And then the second year is split between Spain for a semester and then Italy for a semester. The third year, you can choose if you want to go to Australia, Fiji and New Zealand or to China. And then or if you wanted to, you could do one semester in each. Um, and then the fourth year is uh, wherever you get to go one semester, wherever you want to. OK, as long as you can get an internship there. And then the last semester is in New York City and you graduate there. It's still four years or is it only? Still four years. And so the first year, the first semester is when you went to Costa Rica. Yes. And then we stay there for a whole year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the second year is when you did Spain and Italy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then that's when COVID happened. So I got, Italy got cut short, but you know. What you so, so Costa Rica was 2018 to 2019? Yes. Okay. Good, yeah. good for me to contextualize with my, well, my, huh? my COVID frame of reference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you describe your Spanish proficiency as prior to starting that program? Did you have, did you take Spanish in high school, AP Spanish or anything? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I did, I did AP Spanish laying in AP Spanish lit. So I could write okay. really well. I would say I could understand so much better than I could speak. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, like, immersion is the way to go and especially the way if you want to fast track a language like that's how you got to do it so my conversational skills took off a lot mm-hmm. and then i started dreaming in spanish too dreaming, that's when, I when was, you start dreaming is cool yes yeah. that's when you're like that was i woke up in the morning after i had my first dream in spanish and i was like i made it this is great <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you've had experience with that as well though like or language immersion i i only took through I think Spanish three when I was a sophomore and then didn't take Spanish my junior and senior of high school and then decided when I got to college that one of my goals was going to be to learn Spanish to to some extent conversationally. Right. Um, And I did have I had a study abroad experience my junior year. Um, That's awesome. Where did you go? Pueblo, Mexico. So it's like oh, south, cool. south central Mexico. It's like an hour and a half ish away from Mexico City. Um, and it's a it's a big city. I think it's two or three million people, but it it doesn't it wow. doesn't feel yeah. like that. It didn't feel like that mm-hmm. when I was there. I was in a neighborhood, um, with a with a host mom, and I had uh, another student from Notre Dame who was in the in the house with me as well. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really cool. So it. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, I actually, when I first started taking Spanish classes at Notre Dame, I dropped down a couple levels from where I had tested into because I felt like my actual language abilities were not as good as the test. The entrance test was, it was all, um, recognition, I guess. Like it was reading, (laughs) reading online it was no language production i didn't have to say anything i didn't have it there was no oral component i was not confident in the level that i had placed into um and i I think definitely the dreaming in spanish 
moment is really a, a cool moment to have. But I even felt like yes. when I, I, I showed up late to the program because I was actually, at, it was a summer when I was working at camp. And okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went from, I think the last day of camp was Saturday. And then on Sunday, yeah. I flew to Mexico. Oh my gosh. Like imagining that type of turnaround, like even just to conceptualize that in your brain must have been so weird. Because you, I mean, you have an idea of what you're getting into, but you're coming from such, like, such an immersive experience and then going to another one straight. You yeah. know what I mean? You don't really I, have anything in the process, maybe. I, I think I had been preparing for it. Actually, when I got to the, my host mom's house, basically the same time the van rolled up with everyone in it and dropped off dropped off my my host brother wow um but no i kind of i kind of have felt fine with the those rapid transitions um Mm -hmm. that was it was obviously different but similar in the sense that this past year when i moved from new orleans to chicago i packed up the car and we had a graduation ceremony delayed two years late yeah Um, and when straight from graduation to Chicago. So it was like, yeah, there was no back, back home right. between, um, I don't know. I, I think for me being abroad was, was really interesting because the culture shock that I felt was less of, um, uncertainty being in a new place with mm-hmm. a new language so much as mm-hmm. um i felt i started i started having some negative feelings about wanting to kind of be off on my own because we were in a group of 20 20 odd people and mm-hmm. it, the default was just to to revert to english and right um yeah. you know we would go out or something and i remember one night we went out and at this club it was international night and i really mm-hmm. felt kind of strange that everyone from my school was kind of in a group in the middle and all around us was people from there there were people from taiwan and colombia and spain and right. germany um yeah. and i felt like in some ways it was kind of a uh analogy to how sometimes the united states acts on a on a global level but or is it at least perceived oh my gosh, I but, but it was, i felt uncomfortable with it and yeah. i definitely tried to make as much of an effort as possible to strike out and and make make friends who are people from mexico going to the university and people in the international group um i commend i absolutely commend that i think it's so important to do that i i was fortunate both because i think i was more confident with my spanish than some people in the program and also i felt relatively safe i I did want to ask you about your experiences if you Mm -hmm. felt anything i am as a male individual, I think in some ways there's certain things that I, I maybe do or don't think about in the same way as someone um, who's not male, unfortunately, in other, in other countries, especially, or, or just being by yourself. I mean, at night, even if it's in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mm-hmm. think that kind of privileged me to feel okay with, oh, I'm going to go by myself to this party at an international house where like, I don't know. I know one person who invited right. me, but I don't know them well. I mean, I just kind of met them at school right. and I don't feel like I n- need to have another person for my program to go with me. And I don't know if you ever kind of struck out on your own or if you, you always had someone with you or if, if you had someone else who was interested in 
kind of meeting new people from the country or what your experience has been like with that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. There's so many things I want to respond to in that. I think one of the first things is like being conscious of being in a group, especially from the U.S. and being like, okay, I didn't come here to just hang out with people that have not that everybody in the United States is living and breathing the same experience because we're absolutely not. But like coming from a lot of the same cultural backgrounds um, and there are different iterations of that. But I also think a lot of us had the same outlook going into it. A lot of I mean, because so many of us were it was like a lot of people from New York. We also had some people from Brazil in our group. They were good. They helped us with some cultural perspective. But like we're not there to just be with each other. I think that was such a point in the program is like meeting people, talking to other people. Um, And I was in the same privileged position of you as eventually I felt more comfortable with my Spanish to strike out and do those things. And my professors were all in my first year Costa Rican. So they were all able to like provide more context um, for me in that area. And they were from different parts of the country, different regions. And that was very interesting, I felt, because like they each had kind of a different a different spin that they put on things because the regions were so different, even within their smaller right. geographic location, uh, which I thought was awesome. But it kind of made me like ashamed. I got really ashamed through my education in Costa Rica, which is weird because learning about history, um, not from the U.S. perspective, there are things that obviously you know um, and are kind of addressed. But I think learning about just the brutal colonialism to some of the extents that I just didn't know it got to or all of the lasting impacts I had been willfully ignoring through ignorance and privilege and all those other things I think that was very eye-opening for me and then coming home and coming home was kind of weird because my perspective changed on where I lived and I still felt extremely fortunate um, about my home especially about the people at home but it definitely changed my perspective on the U.S. altogether uh and then I I'm trying oh yeah also being a woman that's a great thing to bring up so one of the weird things that I noticed in Costa Rica that I wasn't expecting, um, and I was young and naive <laughs> and all those things, but I was very excited to be there. And it was like, we were in Heredia, which is right under San Jose. Um, and I was blonde at the time. So there aren't a lot of tourists in mm-hmm. the region that we were in. And I, I remember that my wardrobe then was like almost exclusively t-shirts and Nike shorts. And they weren't like short shorts or anything. But nobody was wearing shorts. And so I would walk to class and I would get followed. Um, some, just because I was easy to pick out in a crowd, honestly. Um, and some one time I was in an Uber and the driver was like, let's go for a date. And I was like, no, can you take me to my location? And he just started driving like to the mountains or something so we could go have a date there, which is super weird. So I had to get out. Um, I had a few friends get robbed. I got robbed on my maid. But that wasn't, that had nothing to do with being a woman. I think most of it was just like, uh, I definitely had some shock of like, okay, you need to be aware that you are um, coming from the outside to a different culture right now. And like how you represent yourself and 
the things that you're careful about, like you just have to be a little bit more careful and a little bit more on guard, which kind of sucks too, because you're like, to fully immerse myself in this experience, I wish that I could just go up and talk to anybody or feel comfortable walking down the street at night. Um, and that all being said, I was still in a very safe mm -hmm. area overall. I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had some really unfortunate experiences, but I also felt like overall I was in a safer place. I also think like the people around me were hyper aware of the fact that something could go wrong. So like we didn't really leave our houses to go out that much. But when we did, I made sure right. I was in a group or like we were Ubering there together. Um, but and there, the weirdest part, honestly, one of the most unsettling things for me is like getting catcalled by people with wedding rings on or and sometimes when they were with their spouse, like that happened all the time. And it was super weird and uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, that was that was uncomfortable. Um, but that was part of the experience, I guess. And it, it provides some context that I didn't have beforehand. Um, and I, yeah, that's all I really yeah. have to say about it. I think it changes wherever you go and there's, you can, I also met some of the nicest mm -hmm. people I've ever met. So I kind of saw both extremes. Like there were times when I felt really on guard in a way that I hadn't before. And there were times where I felt like, oh my goodness, I don't think I ever could have asked a person like this for help in the States because I don't think no, I don't think anybody would have helped me this way. Um, like one time I was leaving the airport and I was trying to find my, I was staying at an Airbnb because this was actually after Italy. I was in Costa Rica and COVID had, was just, had just arrived to the United States. So, I was supposed to fly back into New York, but I couldn't or I could, but it would bring me through all the major airports. And my parents were like, you need to find a different way back. So I was in Costa Rica. I had to get to this Airbnb. I was pretty stressed because mm -hmm. I had all my stuff and the rest of my stuff. Um, we I had to figure out how to get it home, but it wasn't with me. It was a I was very stressed. I hadn't eaten in a while. And I um, stumble into this soda, which is like where they were serving traditional Costa Rican food. And it was owned by the sweetest lady. And I, it's one of those days when you, I'm not somebody who forgets to eat. Like mm -hmm. I'm just big foodie mm -hmm. or I don't know. Uh, but I had forgotten that day and I was all over the place. Like you could tell that I was just not doing well. And she comes over and like puts her hand on my hand. And in Spanish, is just like checking up on me. And then brings me a plate of food without me asking or paying. And it just is like, and obviously I like tipped or I, I did whatever I could after, but that was such an act of kindness that I just, I was like, that's never happened to me before. And the fact that she came out of her way to check on me, like it meant so much. I think small acts of kindness in moments when you're like really unguarded and really afraid, especially when you're abroad and you don't have another support system. It's just you. Those give you hope in humanity. Like at least the way I see it, those have like just, I I don't know if I would, you know, I wouldn't, not to say I wouldn't be alive. That sounds so drastic. But there are some moments when I needed help and people really have helped me. Another moment in Costa Rica, my friend and I like to sometimes go running in the morning. And I didn't know this and she didn't know this, but where we were running was like apparently very unsafe. 
Uh, and so one day we were on our way there to go running and this old lady stopped us and was like, don't go there anymore. Like, you guys shouldn't be there. And then like a week after that, somebody got killed there. Oh, wow. So it it was just like all these little things, but people helping us out in a way that I needed to be helped out because mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was so ignorant and naive to the situation. Um, those are kind of drastic the, examples, but that when, that is a, a very long rambling. No, no, no. I appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you sharing your experience because as I said, it's, it's one that is completely distinct from mine because you're a distinct person from me, but also, um, because I'm not a woman. And I think it's, it's important for people who are thinking about going abroad um, or who are trying to recontextualize their experiences abroad or even in a different city in the United States. I think a lot of the same things can, can apply, but um, absolutely that I, I, I wonder sometimes as well about like what that woman, um, when the woman brought the food out to you, w- were you in a big city or is it a small, smaller town? small yeah i wonder sometimes if um things like that maybe are more common still in smaller areas and we just don't see them as much Mm -hmm. and it's not Mm -hmm. as uh kind of that culture i think it's really tough if you don't know people um Mm -hmm. to feel like there's that trust especially in a community i think it, it speaks to the importance of having a community where you do know the people i mean obviously you didn't know her but i think whenever you're in a community where you do know the people around you, whether it's down the street or an, an example that I'm thinking, it makes me think of when I was, um, I went back to Mexico after my junior year for a series of health fairs, mm-hmm. um, with some UNC med students and, and some, some UNC physicians as well. And after the project ended, I was traveling around by myself, revisiting some of the people I had met when I was studying abroad. And I remember I was staying with my friend Mauricio and we were in a more rural area. His family owns a a coffee plantation. Um, Mm -hmm. And we went out to lunch and their card reader was broken and we didn't have the cat to pay for lunch. And they basically said Mm -hmm. at the end of this meal, Oh, I'll, I'll take care of it. Just take care of it next time. Like, oh, like just yeah. like whenever you have the money, just come back and and just pay us whenever you, yeah. you can come back. And it was like, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, I don't even know what what would happen in the United States if I went somewhere in in the Triangle, in North Carolina, or something that was just a regular restaurant. and I just didn't have the money. What? Well, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. even have a. I, I mean. And it, it didn't seem that outlandish for where we were. It was like a side of the road. Like there wasn't even a physical right. structure. It was like kitchen. And um, I mean, it was a physical structure, but it was like a kitchen and then kind of um, right. like wood beams with like a roof over it. But it was like kind of open. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, you know, experiences like like you said, in terms of faith, faith in humanity and the restoration of faith in humanity it's it there are a lot of people and a lot of people in the united states too this is not to say that this is not something that happens in the united states but i think especially yeah, yeah. even um 
in larger cities, I think it, it does it does happen as well. It's just it's it's a cool when it's cool when it happens to you organically and especially um, coming yes. from someone else because I think it it has made me more inclined to look out for those kind of things and also recognize in, in myself when there's opportunity for me to treat someone with that and take a step back and remember when I was in that situation or you know the group I was with was in that situation and how easy it is to after pausing mm-hmm. say okay I could act in this other way that's maybe really meaningful to someone even though it's maybe a slight inconvenience or is putting trust in someone and I think it's that the difficulties when you put that yeah. trust in someone I mean if if he just never came back and didn't pay then you lose that money right. but it's like don't let don't let that mm-hmm. part of your and this is me trying to give myself advice um because I can be a, a planner and a um kind of not I don't I don't I don't think that I'm not trusting but I I think in terms in terms of people who are optimists I I tend to try to I don't I don't know protect against risk as much as mm-hmm. possible if that makes sense I don't care that's fair I understand that like maybe cautious sometimes on occasion yeah maybe yeah I don't know I think I can be the same way I feel like I tend to be more optimistic. Um, but there are some circumstances where I can almost be pessimistic because of of past experiences. But I also think like I described some of the tougher, uh, things with travel Mm -hmm. that I've had. Um, but also I would never have chosen a different path. Like even with those things happening, I, I think that that was absolutely the right thing I needed to do. Like traveling has stretched all my boundaries so much uh sometimes unpleasant sometimes for the better i mean almost always for the better even Mm -hmm. when it is unpleasant and that's i think something you asked me earlier was like something i could talk about forever and there was this rei article um a long time ago about the types of fun and it's type one fun is just like something that is genuinely enjoyable like going to get ice cream or I I feel like that's a good example. Type two would be like something that's not fun in the moment, but is fun in retrospect or funny in retrospect. Type three is something that's actually not fun at all. But, and it's not fun in retrospect either. You're just like, why didn't I do that? Um, But one of my classmates from my school, we, we only had, we just called it type three fun. And it was actually the type two fun that they described in the article, which is like something that's not fun, but we'll make a good story later. Mm -hmm. And you just have a lot of those moments where and and you're like, this is kind of absurd. Like there was a time I had this uh, internship kind of in the jungle of Tortuguero, which is sort of like a northern island um, okay. off the coast of Costa Rica. And on the way there, you have to take a boat. And um, on the way there, the boat kept hitting the bottom of the river because it was dry season. So we had to wait for enough rain to fall for the boat to move. But when the rain fell, the alligators came out. So we're just sitting there in this boat waiting for the alligators to come out and the rain to fall. And it's like hours go by. And one of my friends um, was hypoglycemic and she's like on the verge of passing out this whole time. So we're all just sitting there. And we're like, we're just talking to each other like, this is type, this is type three fun. This is type three fun. It's going to be okay. Like, <laughs> it'll be a good story after. Uh, and then like that same, that. That trip was very defining for me, I think, because we also had um, we were working at this national park Mm -hmm. and we were doing 
species monitoring. So okay. each day, one of us had to wake up at 345 to go make a list of the species that we saw and uh, write how many we saw. And so I remember waking up at 345 and we are all sleeping in the same room that is like mostly wooden slats. So there's not, it's a bunk bed, bunk beds and wooden slats. There's no privacy or anything. Mm -hmm. And you're getting eaten by mosquitoes. You're like, this is just the words. You can't really sleep. And then somebody's alarm is always going off at 345. The alarm goes off. You go into the bathroom. There's like roaches everywhere. It's, eh, it's gross. And then you get to this. You get to this national park and then you hike up to the top of this lookout and the sun rises and it's the most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen. And then you walk back down the hike that you just did and you're just monitoring all these types of animals you're never going to see again, probably, or like are just unique to this place. And it's it was so incredible. And then I would pass out at like 3 p.m. because I was like, I'm exhausted. Then you have to wake back up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was it was not always fun. And a lot of the time, like, just kind of unpleasant, but it was one of the best things I've ever done. And a lot of the school ended up being, like, different versions of that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. things that were kind of hard and unpleasant that ended up just being really great stories. Uh, and then as a person, I became so much more comfortable adapting to different situations, meeting people, not meeting people different from myself, because I, that was never, like, a scary thing to do. But I think it you're just used to it mm -hmm. and you're open to different ideas than you would be. Um, and then I think when you come back, you see the place that you call home in a with a different pair of eyes and you're like, Oh, like these are the things that I value. I, I certainly like after the first year of school, I think that I was like, do I really need to be on my phone so much? Um, like I need to keep my Spanish proficiency up. So I need to like study that when I'm home, uh, here are the people I missed the most that like really kept up with me. I need to like make more time for them than I was before, you know? So I think it helped me personally be less complacent in my life at home. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think for you when you travel next, when you have time to travel next, whether that's domestically or internationally, like what is your, what do you derive from travel? What, what, what am I hoping to derive from the next time I travel? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question for me to reflect upon, I suppose. Bring more intentionality into my travel. I like that. Um, so I'm planning a trip to Chile next year. Oh, that's um, awesome. Intending to go for four or five weeks. Okay. Wow. That's it. That's a sizable trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the pre-med school. Well, I may, I may end up doing something that's, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing in med school, but I may end up doing something that is, involves global health or research in another country. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I am hopeful that I'll have another experience abroad during med school that's integrated into medical school. But I really want to touch base with some of my friends who are from Chile. Mm -hmm. I, I already spoke to one of my friends from school who has spent a lot of time there to get recommendations on places they really enjoyed. Um, what I want to derive from it, I think reimmersing, reimmersing myself into a place where only Spanish is spoken. I've done, I've done not 
as good a job as I should um, maintaining, maintaining my Spanish proficiency. I, I still do part-time research that's bilingual, but it has a script. It's outcome assessment calls for an epidemiology study, and it has a script. So it's um, not, as, not as much organic language production. It's pretty, most of the responses mm-hmm. are, are pretty, there's, there's not a whole lot of room for, for things to, to kind of throw me off, I suppose. Um, but that's pretty good. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see. I also, that's I've been listening to a Chilean Spanish for Gringos podcast because the accent is a little, is a little bit oh, different <laughs> and there is uh, some different vernacular, mm-hmm. but I think to just be present and enjoy the experiences that I'm having and, and be open um, to whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm going with, with my girlfriend and we're going to go to to Patagonia for at least a week. And I think that's similar to traveling to a national park in the United States. I, I think just really appreciating the beauty that is there. Um yeah. 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 And then absolutely. when we're in Santiago or somewhere else, I, I think my goal is to have specific things I want to do, but be open to kind of wandering around and asking people who are there if they have recommendations. Um, one, to, yeah, I think that's one, so one to just practice Spanish. And two, yeah. because I think a lot of the things that are, are the, the touristy things are really beautiful and amazing to do in any place. But I think I've been reflecting on the experience mm-hmm. of uh, our friends at Camp Canada who are international counselors and traveled to the United States and their experiences mm-hmm. being in Wake Forest, North Carolina, you know, coming from Australia or New Zealand right. or the UK or from wherever. And, yeah. you know, maybe they fly in through New York or they go on a trip and see some of the sites that are, are more well known. But, you know, what is mm-hmm. someone who is from another country likely to plan it's not a probably a trip to the triangle in north carolina i mean maybe it is but but it's and i I think i think it's such a beautiful (laughs) uh example of of experiencing a culture that that is truly the culture as well and not so much kind of a vignette or caricature of people there and and recognizing like Mm -hmm. you said one thing you said that i i really felt as well um when you're talking about the different regions in costa rica um the same thing in North Carolina and the United States. I mean, really thinking about how people in your community mm-hmm. may differ from people who are just an hour away or two hours away, um, or even the next I neighborhood know. over. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it can be it can be incredibly different. <laughs> people's culture and experience and traditions, uh, belief systems, ideologies are, and it definitely made me more excited about traveling and being kind of a tourist in my own home in my own city because i would think think back to the experience of you know trying to have a trip planned every weekend or if we were staying you know what were we going to do in the city to experience things and then thinking why am i just kind of going to the same two or three bars on on the weekends Mm -hmm. i mean it's there is a lot of social element i mean when you're with everyone who you know at at school yes yes it could be very fun to spend that time together but i i would say similarly there were some times where i became kind of disillusioned with i think the more more prevalent um kind of party culture 
of of some people, not everyone at Notre Dame. And actually, I, I feel like after I came back from abroad, started drinking a lot less. I mean, it was not drinking. I was never drinking a lot in college, mm-hmm. but felt like I was right. kind of partying less and just feeling like, what do I really want to be doing? What am I really interested in doing? And, you know, how can I enjoy that? Whether or not I'm under the influence of any any substances. But I don't know. Yeah, I think just trying to be open open to whatever happens and and not be too like worked up because because I, I can sometimes be an over planner of certain things sometimes at the last minute sometimes if depending on who's mm-hmm. listening to this he may, he, he, he may be an over planner but he's more of an overthinker and a not not action taker um but yeah just to try to kind of roll with whatever happens um that's i think yeah. that's yeah that's funny because i'm I think that's the perfect way to approach it, first of all. Second, the <laughs> trip sounds amazing. And third, I think I'm the opposite. Like, I think I underplan. Mm-hmm. I tend to underplan. But, you know, it depends right. on yeah, it's all relative. It's I all had, relative in that sense. Um, what is underplanning? Yeah. Like, do you set a right? budget whenever you travel? Will you have, like, a set amount of money and say, like, if you're going on a trip for a yourself? A general yeah, budget. A general budget? I'll do, I have okay. an idea. Like, I'll be like, this is the max. Mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what i do i'm like yeah. can't spend more than that so that's kind of what my budget is yeah. so really no do you have it um, planned out like well we, we've yet that. to sort of finalize when we're flying and exactly what the places we want to go are so it's funny because i in planning this trip mm-hmm. i was thinking back i had a project in high school where we had to plan an, itiner- an itinerary in Spanish for traveling to somewhere in Europe or traveling through Europe or something. And I thought, yeah. what a useful project to do. They play, both because it's yep. interesting things that you might not learn in terms of language, but also like a useful life skill to research things that you think are interesting and cool in a place and Absolutely. set up your itinerary and how much it's going to cost for meals and things like that. Um, but yeah, I would say generally not. I mean, I think I was also... I, I am privileged in terms of just finances because I I had money from from working and um, especially in Mexico the, mm-hmm. the cost in 2018 um, the cost of living was much less than in the United States so you know I could take an Uber at night out to a place that's 15 or 20 minutes away and it would cost me like four or five dollars U.S. dollars right um, right yeah. No, that's a night that is, uh, I mean, well, it's difficult. That's difficult too. Like, uh, I struggle with that also as a tourist. Sometimes it's like when you're, you're helping by stimulating the economy, but no, sorry, no, no, this is not, about no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Now there's I'm going no, on. there's no, and like tourism yeah. and stimulating the economy, but like that doesn't absolve you from like, I don't know. Sometimes there's still guilt because sometimes there should be like mm-hmm. an example of what I'm talking about is um, over quarantine kind of time. I went to uh, I went to Hawaii mm-hmm. and I worked as an au pair. So right away, there so should be some red flags going off because maybe I shouldn't have been doing that. I was like in the rationale in my mind at the time was like, OK, well, I was going to be in Fiji and Australia and New Zealand because that's where the program was supposed to be that year. Um, 
for oh, oh, or for whenever, whenever you but then you didn't I did, you weren't where you were going right, to be because I didn't clarify COVID me. happened so the abroad was abroad, yes abroad was yes okay gotcha yeah and I was like mm-hmm. I don't want to stay home I need to get out of here I'm getting stir crazy but like especially with Hawaii there are more um, moral implications there um and on top of that I was living with my friend from school and two military guys who we didn't know they were but um that upon reflection and when i was there i was like oh this is a bad look this was something that maybe i'm not super proud of because of um just because of the culture that has been sort of forced Mm -hmm. over there um and i i think that Mm -hmm. that's just one example you know what i mean like I felt at the time when I was on the way there, I was like, okay, well, I'll be working there to support myself. So that's good. Um, I won't be like, I didn't think of it as bothering anybody, which is just, there were a lot of issues with that as well. Uh, But my point is more, there is so much more to tourism and there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't. So being like, how am I going to impact another place that I'm going? Like, I think that's something mm-hmm. that needs to be thought about before. I think also like responsible tourism, not only not in terms of sustainability, but more in terms of like ethics is thinking beforehand about or trying to teach yourself a little mm-hmm. bit about their history, maybe. And if you can learn their language, that was one thing that um, not talking about Hawaii anymore, but more about back to school. A lot of my classmates, even though they were living with host families that didn't speak English, we're not trying to mm-hmm. learn Spanish. I was like, why? We're here. You have all the tools to do so. And like, you're just going to make it more difficult for everybody else to try and communicate. Like, they have to go out of their way, but we're in their home. We, you chose to come here, but you're not going to make the effort to like try and communicate with them. And there are people that try yeah. and can't, and that's fine. If you can't, it's that's okay. You're trying. You know what I mean? I think effort, the, uh, effort behind it. Yes, yeah. it's the intention. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. So again, I went, I started rambling there. But um, I guess what I was trying to say is like, good intentions go a long way. And you, uh, these are good things to be conscious of if you're going to travel, if that's something that, that yeah. you choose to yeah. do. I think, no, I think that's a great way to put it. I think it's a, a great thing to reflect on. It, it makes me think of parallels um and this i i don't want to conflate or belittle historical historical aggressions taken out on the scale of institutions and systems and nations but of just just thinking about not being kind of extractive when you're a tourist not just what are you going to get out of going somewhere else or get from somewhere else but yeah what kind of things you're going to be open to connections you'll form, how you will treat the people that you're going to be around just as you would treat people in your own community. Or if someone entered your community and had never been there before, how would that impact the community or make other people feel? How might you make people feel in a different space? And then, like you said, I mean, the history of a place. And I think especially you talk about the cultural awareness of something like the United States traveling. It was interesting in 2018 because a lot of people would ask me, you know, what do you think about the current president in the United States? And Oh, yeah. yeah. I get that question all the time. Yeah. And I think 
after saying, you know, I'm someone who is studying abroad in a place where I learned how to speak the language because I wanted to be able to connect with people who are in this country. Um, okay. I, I don't think that I, I w will not generalize and say that there are no people who supported our former president who would would not go to Mexico and learn Spanish and communicate with people in Mexico. But I think the the general, right. if you look at the Venn diagrams of people who are doing that, I think there's less people probably who, who support <laughs> him. Um, <laughs> was very well said. Yes, um, but no, especially especially <laughs> thinking about beyond. I mean, I mean, it it is a form of colonialism, I, I suppose, but just the United States present presence and historic historical and continued presence in terms of um, political systems and just the destabilization of, of Latin American, South American countries is, is, is an important history to look into because there's yes. honestly a lot of things that are astounding that are, are har hard to believe and hard to read if you look at them and think about them. And then also if you, if you um, look into now the current kind of aftershock effects of, of those things. And that's very general. I, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert mm -hmm. in in that area, um, so I don't want to speak about it in depth in a way that's yeah. No, I like yeah, what you say. I mean, and I like what you're not saying. There, there is a um, my church has, and we have a continued relationship with a community in Arnal, Nicaragua, and um, they mm -hmm. just are going through terrible things that hear, hearing about the support that they need uh once again i think makes me reflect on my experience and this is the same thing when we went for the health fairs and met people in communities who were facing facing barriers yeah. to healthcare access um just remembering like you said when you were when you were living in the with the bunk beds uh in, in the jungle on the on the, the yeah. wood slats and everything it's I, I, what when one grows up in a more comfortable environment, I think the we we talk what people hear about the kind of like put yourself through hard things and like make yourself go through unpleasant things and find discomfort, yes. seek discomfort. Um, but it really, I think, is important to not let the idea of something being uncomfortable or scary uh, totally dissuade you from doing something. And I think. It's it's easy to also overestimate the extent to which, well, I don't know. One thing I've been thinking about recently is just like inconveniencing other people. Like if I talk to a stranger, am I bothering them? Mm -hmm. And that being something that I feel like is maybe more of, of a consideration in today's day and age than it might have been 50 years ago. Obviously, I wasn't alive 50 years ago, so I don't know. But it's, it's sad to think that it's sad to think it's that to the reason I... It's not like stranger danger, but I don't talk to someone or ask someone a question or seek assistance or guidance or help because just because I'm so worried about inconveniencing someone else. And I think it's a reminder for me mm -hmm. to kind of lead with an open attitude um, and and make it known, whether it's through kind of smile that I try to make as not creepy as possible, because I also don't want to make people feel uncomfortable in that way. Like, why is this guy talking to me? Mm -hmm. Like, why is he so interested in talking to me? Um, and just be open to if someone's asking for help or, or has, has questions about things or 
anything like that. That was also rambly, uh, equally, equally rambly on my part, but. No, 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 no. But I'm, I think it's, it's like, I think that is another interesting point because we talked about maybe the privilege of being male. And I think mm-hmm. I'm generalizing a lot here, but maybe one of the privileges sometimes of being female is that I don't have to think about that as much of the, like the, am I going to create, like not create this person? Am I going to mm-hmm. put them on edge or intimidate them or like, Not that I've never thought about it, but I think that the odds are slightly less um, because of Mm -hmm. people's lived experiences, right? But that doesn't take away from the fact that that's something that you think about more than I do. Um, But I think it says a lot that you do think about it, that it's something that's like on your mind. Um, And also, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Like, it's what I was talking about before. What you were saying is... um, seeing people in different positions in you like we were my school is also because it was so immersive we were always having these different weekend experiences uh you could say and so one of them was we went to this community that it was for people who couldn't afford like housing in a different part of town so they had made this new community but they put it on top of a landfill so they put a bunch of dirt on top of the landfill. So these like people were living in this community. And from day one, it already smells horrible because mm-hmm. it's on top of a landfill. And then it's like completely slanted. So we had to go help this guy bring gravel mm-hmm. to build his house. Um, and all my like a bunch of us were complaining the whole time. And it's like we were there for one day helping this guy build his house and we all got to go back to our host houses and like do whatever and it was so embarrassing i was like you guys we're here for a day just to lend a hand nobody else is complaining but us like everybody there knew that they were doing something to help someone to to like build his house um they saw the bigger picture the purpose of like helping somebody and it was a simple situation and yet i felt like we were all detached enough to be like, I, I just don't really, this isn't for me. I don't feel like doing this, right? Like, who cares? You're already here. You, we're doing this. You know what I mean? It was a very interesting, um, it's weird. It's weird to be somewhere. And also like another situation, which, or not, not another situation, another thing that our school tried to be as aware of as they possibly could is like, not mm-hmm. being white saviors and only giving help when people ask um and being aware of what form that help comes in and uh how you go about giving it and not not pitying other people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like making sure to not uh not do anything with condescension i guess so that was something that we were working on i i guess they yeah, i, I think they could have done a better your, job what is your um analysis of overall how the how the program was in that sense i think they, that's a, like i think they tried their best i think having professors in each country mm-hmm. that were from okay. that country was very good i think because that gave us a much better cultural context um and it gave us people who weren't making assumptions based on like you know, I got here mm-hmm, a month ago mm-hmm. and here's what I've seen so far. Right. So I'm going to teach you now. It's like, I've lived here my whole life. My family's from here. And I think right. that was very good for us. Um, but I think that 
the way that they advertised the program, it was mostly, um, it was mostly privileged kids from like upstate New York that were applying. So I think they were trying to draw a more diverse student body. Given you know, I mean, your whole grade, people, but like at, at they could LIU, have done a much better job. Twenty people. Okay. Yeah. Which is a very, uh, that's a very unique experience. It was definitely unique. And another interesting thing is that, so we had 20 people and then 10 people dropped out, but we still ended with about 20 people because we, like, so many people joined. Um, But the drop, people drop out so often because it's it's such an immersive, intense experience that, like, no, (laughs) no, no. Um, And I, you know, also yeah, because that, of COVID, that... like I'm sure our rate mm-hmm. more extreme uh, than most, but it was, it was certainly an experience. We're like a family, but not, uh, this is, I feel like I had a great experience and no, I feel no, like no. I'm trashing well, a yeah, I, I mean, say that. Providing a balanced perspective <laughs> because you enjoyed your experiences and you said that. Yeah, I had, it was great for me. It was great for me as a person. I think most of the mm-hmm. people in there that stayed made the active choice to stay like you have to actively decide because it and you're just i mean you're with those people all the time so we were like a family and we didn't always get along though and also we had like the turnover rate was insane like our deans kept quitting so i had like wow five or six deans in my four years there um (laughs) yeah it was crazy it was crazy but (laughs) but that being said I think that only enhanced our our ability as right. a class to adapt to new situations because we were like, you know, we just had the like Dean's dinner this week yeah. and now we're having another one next month. And, you know, there's entirely new staff. Uh, and then another, a whole nother aspect, which I would totally ramble about forever, but I won't, is mm-hmm. getting sick abroad. I haven't it's had kind that of, experience. That's a whole well, thing to, I, I, I did, feel like but I was with my cute. family and it was one, oh. it was an acute thing. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of had similar, like I would have sickness on occasion, but my one friend got very sick and we ended up at a hospital in Morocco, but we didn't have that much staff because the class was really small. So it was a very, that was interesting. And I think mm. that makes you homesick more mm-hmm. viscerally than anything else. At least you didn't hurt her situation. Cause you're like, I feel horrible. And all I yeah. want to do is like be at home in my bed. Um, I don't know <laughs> where I was going with that other than say, well, <laughs> to segue, you can have all experiences abroad, positive, negative. I would say they happen in more extreme ways typically when you're abroad than maybe when you're home, just because the your surroundings are often so foreign to you that like the highs are so high, the lows are so low um, because there's so much unknown in there. But overall, I think it builds character. I think it's wonderful. Do your research. Um, yeah, perfect. Great. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a great spot to <laughs> to end it. As much as I also don't want to end the conversation, okay. we've been talking for an hour. It's <laughs> it, it goes fast. It goes fast once <laughs> once you start. And obviously, okay. I'm yes. very grateful for Haley. Actually, reached out was one of the very first people when we started putting episodes up. I'm not active mm-hmm. on Instagram at all. I pretty much always have the app deleted. Um, 
but there are sometimes things that make me grateful for the connection that can be provided uh, through social media and just said, I like what you're doing with the podcast. And if you ever want to have me on, I get, this is probably, I mean, now it's over a year <laughs> ago, probably when you sent that message, but that's crazy. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out and thank you so much for coming on and doing it. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a follow-up if you want. I don't, I don't, we'll, yeah. Yeah. This, cause I, I even wanted to, well, so I want to get, get, get started with it, but, um, I will say thank, thank you if you're listening or watching for stopping by and <laughs> love everyone. Love everyone. Thank you for stopping by this episode of Upward Together. We appreciate you being a part of this, taking the time to listen and reflect alongside us. We'll see you on the next episode. Love everyone. Peace.